welcome to Frock Flicks, the historical costume, movie, and TV podcast and blog and all that stuff. I'm your host, Tristan L. Bass, here with our original Broadway recording cast. Kendra Van Cleve. And we are podcasting about Downton Abbey, the movie. Because, of course, you may remember that Kendra and I podcasted the entire final season of the TV show of Downton Abbey. So we thought we'd venture off into the actual big screen TV or big screen movie theater to uh, see the film version. And I thought we would start um, with the good stuff, because we have both pro and con opinions about this uh, theatrical release. Um, And we'll start with the costuming. Uh, Because it's universally fabulous. And it was done by Anna Robbins, who did um, the final couple uh, seasons of the TV show. Um, And and we'll leave the um, plot issues, which is going to be the con, to the end. So those of you who uh, give a shit about spoilers can stop then and... Go about your merry way and go watch it with, you know, fresh eyes and ears. Um, For a little background, the movie is set about a year after the uh, TV show ends. Do we know what year? It's uh, 27. Okay. Yeah, because the the series ended about 26. Mm -hmm. Uh, They did say it at one point in the movie, and I'm pretty sure it was 27. Okay. Um, So, yes, the costuming, again, done by um, Anna Robbins. And um, she had a pretty fairly good budget in the final few seasons of the TV show. Um, She clearly had more money. Yeah. I'm Uh, sure they are throwing (laughs) money at this because this has been a big moneymaker for... Totally. Everybody. Yeah. And um, she's also posted a fair amount on um, Instagram and done a lot of press. Um, So there's a lot of um, kind of detail... um, background info about the costumes themselves and when work she did. Um, she used a ton of period materials, um, you know, vintage silks and, and, and textiles and, and things, um, in the actual garments. Um, uh, for example, the, there's, there's, well, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of the dresses have period materials, but there's this one dress that Mary wears to tea when they go to tea with you know, Princess Mary, I guess. Uh, but Lady Mary Crawley or Talbot now, whatever, you know Michelle Dockery, um, <laughs> the bitchy one. Yes, uh, it's got this tiny little print that you can just barely see on screen. But on um, Anna Robbins' um, Instagram, she posts the the textile. It's it, the actually the print is um, it's like English hedgerows or something. Oh wow! It's, it's <laughs> and it's really tiny, but. Um, she had this apparently one small piece of it, and she had it repro- reproduced for the to make a full outfit. Um, so stuff like that, um, she really went to town with. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, the show has been consistently spot on. I would say historically accurately, accuracy wise, uh, and that only continues. Um, uh, which is, you know, in some ways refreshing given, you know, having just been forced to watch The Spanish Princess and things like that. Although, as always, I'm always thinking, well, what is, why is 20th century, and I know it's because it's more recent, it's within recent memory, but we have to get that spot on. But we go to the 16th century or something and it's crazy town. But yeah, no, I mean, I thought it was beautiful. Um, 
everything, I mean, it flowed very well from the TV show. There were no major uh, variations. Um, I'm trying to think of sort of how they, they treated particular characters. Well, you mentioned flowing from the TV show. One way it definitely flowed from the TV show was that there were actual garments from the final season used on characters in the movie. Um, I noticed um, Cora uh, definitely had several day dresses. Mm-hmm. And that, that embroidered jacket that she wears. Yeah, in. definitely. Um, the Dowager Countess had that pale gray suit with the kind of square, um, slightly Art Deco um, trim on the collar, kind of a shawl collar. Um, she wears that when she's out walking with Isabel. Uh Lady Mary had a couple of blouses, some daywear blouses. Oh, actually, the very first scene you see her at, she's at breakfast when they get the letter that the king and queen are going to be visiting. She's wearing the same uh, like plaid vest and little tie that she wore, I believe, and it was the scene in the last ep- the last few episodes where she is a total bitch to um, Edith, <laughs> and she like spills the beans about... Um, Edith's love child and all that, and then they had the big row at breakfast then, and she's wearing that same little vesty outfit, which is very cute, and she's wearing the very first scene you see her in the movie. Um, so there's a lot of, like, tie... It's definitely tying in to the to TV show. And I like that, I mean, because, again, I'm sure that they had a huge budget, and so they could have just gone and made everything new, but obviously that, that creates continuity and... You know, because no matter how rich you are, you have the favorite pieces in your wardrobe that you wear more than once. Um, and so it makes makes things feel more real, absolutely. Yeah, and it's only a year later. It's not, yeah. you know, five, right. ten years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we did notice Edith had bobbed her hair. Um, although, and Cora had not. And Cora's hair was getting very, sort of, turned into this big, did this big, mass on the back of her head. I don't know. Sometimes when she was on soap side profile, she looked like the alien from <laughs> Aliens, if you know the movie. Yeah. Um, but still elegant. I noticed she was wearing a lot, uh, especially her evening gowns, had these very sort of capey drapes coming from the um, from the the arm side, which is very flattering um, just in general and also a great way to hide chicken wings if, <laughs> if you're getting any chicken wings as an older woman. That, and that's, I mean, something you would have definitely done as a, a woman of that age. Yes. Of course. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I guess the one thing I felt like, as always on this show, everyone is just done up so to perfection that sometimes it feels unreal. And I'm thinking specifically of the scene where, um, I won't tell you plot-wise what's happening, but Edith is... Um, wearing her undies and then a kimono and she's talking to her husband and she just looks so perfectly groomed and I think it's still her hair is done her makeup is done just so spot on there's nothing relaxed about it and it was sort of it was just sort of a little unreal to me nobody's that perfect at all times right and again I mean she she's deshabille but the underwear it's not like she's I think she was, she was, I can't remember if she was either getting dressed or she had, or getting undressed, but either way, you know, when you're in your undergarments, it's not like they are 
perfect. I mean, there's no rumpling. There was yeah, no, no wrinkling. No, no stocking, like misaligned or, or just nothing. Everything yeah. was just so picture perfect and, right. and perfectly glam and gorgeous. And Which is lovely too. I'm not, sure. you know, I'm not discounting that. Of right. course, that's part of the glamour of, yes. you know, these characters and the era. But at the same time, it's, do they ever, you know, let their hair down, so to speak? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And, and even to the, to the servants, level as well um so you know the uh like like uh, daisy um she still has her cute little bob that she got in the very last um episode i think it was the very very last episode because it was at edith's wedding wedding um and when you know she's goes out into town she's wearing uh her you know cute little you know kind of like pale orange day dress and and it's still very you know they're servants, but they're just so nicely clean and dressed. dressed and yeah. proper and nicely dressed. Nicely and... dressed for servants. Yeah. Just, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, yeah. of course, I mean, we'll get into the plot. I do not think Downton Abbey is about realism. No, it's no. about the fantasy. The and fantasy. so that makes perfect sense, yeah. you know. But um uh I mean, yeah, there were just a lot of really beautiful dresses and, you know, nice suits and all of that. I'm thinking Lady Mary's Fortuny dress. Yes. You were telling me about that. Definitely. Um, so that was something that Anna Robbins had posted about, um, the Fortuny dress that Lady Mary wears to a dinner, actually. Um, it's this rich blue color. And apparently it's um, not uh, one of those reproductions that we've, um, seen and we've actually talked about in the blog uh, quite a few times. There, uh, there's this one um, husband and wife team who do a lot of reproduction for Tunis. We talked about it on our Wings of the Dove podcast, yeah. and I think we also have a post about them, but I can't yeah. remember their names. I can't either. But um, apparently, Anna Robbins went to the House of Fortuny, and um, and she says that they uh, have recreated the 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 secret know, the technique secret technique of doing those pleats. And uh, and just for for her for this this gown. Although and, I have to question. I mean, how are they not just broomstick pleats? Really? Given that you know, so it's pleated silk that the pleats come out yeah. of eventually and need yeah. to be reset. I just it doesn't sound to me like they have some super secret. It's not that magical. I, I feel like it's the kind of thing where if we actually knew the secret, we'd be like, oh. Yeah. Okay. That's nice. You know, oh, that's a slight variation on broomstick pleating right. or something like that. Yeah. And, of course, that's part of the, the mystique. Yes. You know, so. And, and of course, she, she notes, you know, the gown, gown was entirely hand-sewn. But also, if you know those dresses, there's about six stitches in them, so it's not a lot of hand-sewing. It's like right. something, you know... Either one of us could have done in like an hour because you like, do a couple of stitches of the shoulder, a couple of stitches down the side, and boom, done. Of course, it's a hand stitch because once you put the pleats in, you don't want to run that through a sewing machine because it crushed the pleats out. Anyway, uh, it's be- but it's a beautiful gown. I yeah, mean, no, absolutely. Not discounting any of the this. The effect is stunning. And of yes. course, on Michelle Dockery, oh. it's just like, it's God, super stunning. Yeah. I will say that's one thing. Um, I mean, typical for me as a curvy woman, I'm looking at all of this and I'm like, it's so gorgeous and it would look so dumpy on me. Yeah. I mean, maybe not like the Fortuny gown. I think more the day wear, but you know, uh, Michelle Dockery and uh, Laura Carmichael, they just pull it off so beautifully. And 
Uh, yeah, they maybe really, really do. not so much. Oh, one more thing about that Fortuny gown. I, I, there was another article um, in one of the fashion magazines where Anna Robbins was saying that she kind of updated it, and this is in air quotes, um, with, a, with a modern eye because typically Fortuny gowns would have a, a kind of a boat neck or a straight across neck, and she gave it a V-neck. Um, and I thought that was interesting um, because... You know, you hear a lot of uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, a costume designer, or says, you know, that the director wants the, the costume, you know, historical costumes, modernized or to updated, be relatable. And and this, you know, okay, she did do a little tiny touch, but it's the tiniest of things. Where, sure, okay, a V neck is ostensibly people would think it's, well, it's more flattering in the modern eye, whatever. But it's also the kind of thing that is barely noticeable overall because the overall effect is still so much, it's an iconic dress of a particular period. Right. So I feel like, yeah, all right, sure, call it being relatable. It's also a place to show off the jewelry because there was a huge jewelry budget for this mm. film. They used some actual um, tiaras, actual historic tiaras. Lady Mary, or not Lady Mary, I'm sorry, Lady Edith, yeah. was just rocking these amazing star bandos yeah. and stuff, and every single one I just wanted to rip off her head and run cackling. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some articles online. You can all Google them for yourselves. We're not going to go into it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we don't do work here. No, we we're just we're just sharing the experience. Um, but some of the the tiaras are actual antiques, but also just the necklaces. They had um, tons of you know real jewelry and stuff. I mean, they're they went to town. Yeah, for the bling. Yeah, um, and on all the women, mm -hmm. you know. Dowager Countess down to, you know, every one of them. Yeah, and the Queen, of course, of course. who was rocking yeah. crowns and yeah. all sorts of things. And exactly. I thought they got her look really nice. Um, very spot on. Queen Mary, I mean, I, I will admit I had to go and look afterwards. I think that's George V, but yeah. I got to double check. But that was absolutely Queen Mary because yeah. she just has that I she, iconic look. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um I spent a lot of time looking at hair, um, and one of the things I was thinking about, um, especially on some of the servants, is how unflattering some of the 20s hairstyles can be, and I'm particularly thinking of the, the, um, the how, royal housekeeper, I'm trying to think about how to talk about things without... Yeah. Getting into plot points, but the royal yeah. housekeeper who shows up, who is white hair yeah. and is wearing this very, you know, severe Marcel wave and just so severe. And granted, that's supposed to be her character, but just maybe not the most flattering look ever. But is it accurate? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, absolutely. It's just so flat to the head. Yeah. I don't know. Um, well, it reminds me a little bit of uh, uh, Den Denka. What was. Um... Oh, right. I can't remember. Uh, Denka, Denker. Denker, Denker, whatever. Uh, Lady Cora's first maid. No, no, no. no. You're right. Violet's. Um, the Dowager Countess's right. maid. Right, right. Thank who, you. Who's, who's kind of cranky and bitchy. And, like, basically, it's the cliche. You put something severe and ugly um, on the, the crankier of course. characters. Yes, of course. Um, the, another standout dress for me was the dress that Lady Mary wears to the final ball, um, because it's a long beaded dress. And it was one of those moments for me where lately my world seems to be, uh, uh, I can't think of the right negative verb, but, uh, 
my retinas keep being offended in real life by those fucking mass-produced, sparkly-beaded, 50 bucks on eBay Gatsby dresses, and especially the long ones. Like, I don't understand the long ones. And so seeing Lady Mary in a long, beaded dress, it's like, oh, that's what they're trying to do. Because these these eBay ones just look like, it's like a prom dress. I don't get it anyway. So it was nice to see it done well. <laughs> made me happy and of course i mean black and white on yeah. michelle dockery is oh, so great yeah it was really beautiful yeah um actually that that scene um because they're they're at a ball um had lots i mean just the background even just had so many beautiful dresses and it kind of made me wish like okay this would be a scene where if i'm watching it online or you know on digital i'd be like pause Pause. Let me just look at the pretty dresses. Pause. Although pause. the flip side was I was really enjoying the fact that we were seeing it on the big screen. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, I think this could go for any costume movie, but uh, everything was so huge that I could really take it in and also be overwhelmed by it. Whereas on a TV screen, I yeah. think, you know, you're going to lose some of it. Yeah, that's true. And that, that will be interesting because I'm sure, you know, it, as soon as it's on streaming or whatever, I'll watch it again just because why not? Um, and it would be interesting to compare that because mm-hmm. this is, um, one of those things where, I mean, I don't usually, you know, well, it's been a long time since I particularly had something and something this, in, in this case where it was a TV show and that's a movie. And then of course you see it on TV later, right. um, to have that real comparison between the two. Um, so yeah. Uh, but I, I do like I, I the crowd scene scenes like you know the dinners and and the like the ball especially that was the only really fancy crowd scene, um, but it it made me think are they pulling like all the fancy dresses they had used throughout the series um, because I also kind of wondered was that something that was was that maybe like a you know Edith Lady Edith's you know second best dress from a dinner or something in the background. Because they all looked really, really good, but also kind of well. Now it's background because the main characters got such elevated. Stuff. I'd be surprised if they did, just given what it seems like their budget is. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about were hats. Um, obviously, the twenties are such a great hat era, and um, I don't always love all of the individual, just the base hats that they use. But they trim them just because some of them I feel like are a little. Um, uh, I don't know. It, it's probably more the style. They just read as a little fuddy-duddy to me. But the trim that they do on the hats, they do so beautifully, and none more so than the, um, it's like a blue or gray hat that um, Mary wears in a key scene with Tom, um, and I, I won't get into There's it more. There's a parade. She's, it's There's a parade. Outdoor, Thank it's an you. outdoor scene. Yes, and there is this... Um, complex pleating that goes all the way around the hat and then also but also like an accent piece a but big cockade yeah big cockade but just the way that they did it, it's one of those you know they you know folded it in 30 different ways to make different little shapes but because the brim doesn't go all the way around the hat but then this this pleated ribbon does and so it was not only just beautiful from all angles but particularly from the back yeah. and you could see it in in a huge format. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so you could sense. basically sit there and reproduce it if you had a pause button. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, I feel like um, the older, you know, the um, 
Dowager Countess and Isabel looked pretty par for the course. Yeah. Um, I was reminded of the fact that um, Maggie Smith won't wear corsets. Oh, I was reminded. It, that was more visible on the big screen. I, I feel like it was. The flip side is this is an era of a low bust. Yeah. Um, so it's not necessarily wrong. Um, but her bust is low and yeah. in such a way that... I mean, it's not egregious. No. But I noticed in a couple of scenes, it's like, she is definitely not wearing a support garment. Yeah. And, you know, more power to her. Yeah. She, theoretically, I'm thinking of the, the... In some ways, it doesn't suit the character. On the other hand, the character, like, doesn't give any fucks. She's right. like, I've done my bit. Uh, you all can, you know, yeah. respect me. Yeah. No matter what I do. Yeah. Um... I, the only thing that I feel about is that I, I like some of those dresses would look a little better. Yeah. Because they're such, and especially in the film, elaborate dresses with so much crap on them. Yeah. Like little shiny bits and lace and all this stuff, especially in the evening dresses. I think I think that more so that they, if they were just a little smoothed out a little bit more with a little bit of lift, that they would lay better. Like I'm wondering, is she wearing a bra? I um, could we at least put it. a bra in Spanx? Yeah. Or just, well, let's just, hoik that bra just off a little, a little bit. Little a little more shape. Just yeah. a smidge more shape and smoothness. Um, yeah. Just for the dress's sake, you know? Yeah. No, I know. Uh, I mean, the flip side is I get it. I like... Yeah. I don't know that I would absolutely kill myself first, but I basically am morally opposed to pantyhose and anything with a control top can fuck off. If I'm going to wear like Spanx or a girdle, then I'm going to wear Spanx or a girdle, but I'm not going to wear some stupid nylon that's going to make one centimeter difference and I'm going to be miserable in all night. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's no. my, my rant about I, pantyhose. Totally. I mean, I, I, well, I wear tights. I love tights just for the look of them, but that's different. I will not wear a control top. No. Oh my God. Like what that. is wrong with like that humanity? Anyway, uh, trying to think of other costumes that There's, were particularly exciting. There is one or not plot point around a dress hmm. that I thought was funny and also kind of like so fakey. So um, Lady Edith has a dress remade for her. And I feel like the, the dress that they show at the beginning is clearly not... The dress that's at the end. Because, I mean, it's 30 sizes too big. Well, it's not The even, first one. Right. And there's just... You don't just... Well, not even the plausibility of okay. uh, in the plot, but the actual... Because when they show that first dress, it has this huge honking bow on the front, and it looks like it's a different fabric. I mean, they're the, basically, they're the same colors, mm. the first dress and the final dress. But the fabrics look different. Like, they're, it, the first one is almost this kind of cheesy lace and the second one is more chiffon like it has a lot more floaty chiffon the second one has spaghetti straps the first one yeah, had big I noticed that straps uh, we got a cat invading here but she's cute and she's she fluffy and I love so, her so Kitty wanted to say something about the, the, the straps and the dress yeah I did definitely she notice agreed. the straps well I mean granted what it was is they shipped her the wrong dress so right. the dress was made for a plus size woman it would make sense that it have wider straps right and those could be narrowed, you know? So, I don't know. Yeah, I just... It was such a very Hollywood version of remaking a dress yeah. that it, it irritated the wannabe seamstress inside me um, who says, that's not how you do it. Right. Um, well, although with a dress that big, in some ways, I mean, you kind of would start... I mean, you need... The, it would be the same materials, but yes. you would kind of just need to start fresh because... Sure. There's no relationship, yeah. and granted, in this era, the, you know the, sh yeah. the shapes of 
the pattern pieces are not very complicated. Right. But I, yeah. like, I didn't feel like it was actually the you same. You weren't buying it. I was, yeah. I was not buying it, but, you know, whatever. Obviously, yeah. that's why we pick the knits. Yes. <laughs> that, that reminds me and brings me back once again to Lady E in her underwear. As unplausible as it was, she had a gorgeous kimono that was kind of like a pinky oh. peach. So beautiful, and they do that yeah. look so well, and oh, I loved it. Well, the underwear was gorgeous. I mean, oh, yeah. I'm not complaining that it... Oh, no, about, yeah, it's just about the, seeing it. It's more the too perfect, but yeah. sure, I'll, I'll take a look at the perfect. Yeah. Cute little tap pants, and I like oh. that she's wearing sort of a camisole kind of thing that clearly has some structure to it. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a corset, but yeah. it's, or even a girdle, but it is, you know, keeping Yeah, because it was definitely place. fitted. Yeah, yeah, and it also looked like fit. it had some, you know, lining yeah. to it. Some, some. That's sort of what I mean. It was, it was to it. It was fit. Yeah, yeah. It definitely had fit. There. It was not, uh, you know, it was not fluttery yes. chiffon. It was, it was doing its job. Yeah, that's for sure. <clears throat> uh, mm-hmm. Trying to see any other costume things before we dive into the plot. I thought Lady Isabel's hair was particularly mumrific, but uh, oh, Lady Isabel, she's probably not a lady. Well, well is she's she? married to the okay. To Lord. Now I want to call everyone Lady something, even yes. though that's probably no longer well, accurate for that, everybody. Anyway. The point is, I thought Isabel's hair was particularly mumrific, and that's not to say it isn't always, but yeah. she was a little more bangy and a little more teased, and I don't know, yeah. not a crisis. It just, yeah. it, not my thing. Yeah. Um, servants were all in their standard black dresses, except for the one bit where, um, Mrs. Patmore and Daisy go shopping. Yeah. Do we want to say anything about the men? Mm, No, not really. Um, I mean, once again, just the perfectness. I mean, I kept looking at, um, Tom in these gorgeous starched collars, you know, which were great, but in every scene. Yes. And I mean, again, most of the scenes we're seeing them in, they're in, you know, the, the king yeah. and queen are visiting. That's they're right. having, you know, so they should be. It's just, you know, they they similarly are almost nearly implausibly perfect. Yes. But they look great. Yeah. Uh, I will see. Tiny little men's things. Let's see. Um, Oh, uh, Donk got to put on his uniform uh, when the, oh, right. the king uh, uh, did his little parade thing. So that was, you know, good for him. Uh, <laughs> I thought, what's her face? The cousin? Yeah. Staunton's character? Yeah. Who's, uh, she's a distant cousin. Right. Like, I thought she was really nicely dressed. She was. Especially given, yeah. again, she's an older woman, but yeah. very... Well, and she, but she's a lady in waiting to the queen, so, yeah. you know, she was... Well, but also the queen is kind of frumpy. Yeah. And, I mean, glamorously frumpy, but in terms of right. her style being somewhat dated. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she was less, I mean, she wasn't dated like, um, like Violet, like the right. Countess is dated, so, yeah. yeah. She was, um, yeah. nice, well-dressed. Yeah. The problem for me is it just, in some ways, it felt like more of the same. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, a lot of beautiful embroidery on yeah. uh, Cora and Mary, They mm. all, but they always have yes, that. Definitely. For those of you who give a shit um, uh, we, about such things, we will be talking about the plot, and there will be spoilers, so if you don't want to be spoiled... Um, stop listening now and go um, donate to our Patreon and, uh, and give us money give for us, not spoiling it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and for those of you who, 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 the rest of you keep listening and also donate to our Patreon, um, but go to our blog and our Twitter and our Instagram and, uh, and Facebook and all that stuff. But 
All right, so the story. It's exactly what you expected. It's very well done, but it's totally formulaic, and my mother is going to love it. It Now, my mother loves adventurous filmmaking, too. Mom sometimes listens to these, so I have to clarify. But she's also, you know, she's my mom, and yeah, I may have to edit that out now. As many reviews have already said, this is the ultimate fan service. Um, there is no surprise in that. Uh, every character gets their own little plot. It's tied up with a neat little bow. It's All of the, the, any crises are completely manufactured. Yeah. I mean, the main one being the king and queen are coming to visit. I mean, on the one hand, sure, entertaining, but that's the basic premise of the whole movie. Yeah. Um, and I still remember when they finally released the first trailer yeah. where that was like the big thing. I'm like, really? That's it? Nobody's like kicked in the head by a horse or anything yeah. like that? And that's not to say that there aren't other little crises woven in like Edith and her pregnancy or yeah. um, Mary randomly. I did. This was the worst one to me was Mary. Once again, should I should we keep Downton going when <sighs> that has just been flogged to death? Right. And is so implausible that they are yeah. still going yeah. that they really shouldn't reference it anymore. Really. Because this is completely... I feel like this was particularly written for Americans or yeah. at least non-Brits yeah. who think, you know, ooh, aristocracy and big houses yeah. and all of that is so, you know, fancy and magical mm. and, uh, you know... Well, and also that's uh, honestly Julian Fellows is his... his Deal. I mean, he's, he he is the super looking back and th- thinking that, that that's the best thing ever. In the golden age. And, and wishes that could continue and had continued and all that. So it, it's it's his own, you know, circle jerk. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple of cute little things like I love when the boiler g- went out yeah. and then they were like, we'll carry water up to everyone's yeah. room. That's what we did for hundreds of years. And then they do it and the servants oh are like, oh my God, this sucks. Yeah. How, how did people do this? <laughs> this is bullshit. Uh, and just the thought of, you know, having yeah. lukewarm water delivered like, to oh, your room, oh, oh. you know. <laughs> so, you know, the plot, plot wise, there was zero tension, like less than zero tension. There was no... Every tiny bit of you know, oh, you know, drama was telegraphed. Oh God, and like predictable. Yes. Yeah, so and, Tom and, and the the anarchist or whatever. Like oh. first of all, some rando shows up in your shop and is asking pointed questions. You don't pause to say, and you might be who? Right. And then I mean, it was just so obvious. It was one of those classic. I mean, it felt like a '70s sitcom where it's like. If we don't ask the key question, yeah. you know, or say the key statement, oh, you know, all of this God. ensues. Whereas if we had just said, yeah. blah, anyway. And so it was just so obvious. <sighs> so incredibly. Everything was just so, in, you know, crisis with the king and queen visiting. Like, what kind of crisis? There's no hot water. Oh, and then the, the servants are all the ser- up in, up in arms about being pushed around by the uh, the royal servants. The and then servants we're gonna revolt have was ridiculous. Oh. It was ridiculous. Here are all these people who you're trying to tell me yeah. pride themselves on doing things right. They are not going to drug people, <laughs> lock people in their room, you know, do this whole elaborate thing because so many things could have gone wrong uh Carson for one but almost all of them would not have in any way risked 
the the crisis that this could have created. So that was completely a preposterous way. The only way. part that, of that that was believable is Mosley doing his stupid thing that he always does because he always does that does that because he's stupid. His curtsy was hilarious. That was, yeah, and, so, but it so was, was so manufactured. Yes, but hilarious. It was yeah, it was manufactured. It was, but it was him because he always does that. Yeah, he always done some stupid thing like that. Yeah. But otherwise, it was oh, so completely God. a way to give the servant something to do. And the, like, again, Mary stressing out about running everything. The fucking rain, there's a thunderstorm, she has to get chairs out there. And at first I thought, oh, because they have to set out chairs for all the spectators. No, they have to set out, like, eight chairs <laughs> for them to sit in. Like, and it's in a rainstorm. Right, I missed that. And I remember this being a big st- drama, and yes. she was freaking out about it. And oh no, we're gonna. And then you know, uh, her dad and the other guy come out. Well, we'll help you. And then, gosh darn it, we're all gonna go take the chairs out and <laughs> little Philly. And then the next day, it's doesn't it's even. Like, it's not only it's clear, but doesn't doesn't look like there's any trace of a storm because yeah, it's Hollywood. it would be yeah. a, mu- a total it would mud, pit. mud pit because it was a. I mean, it was a raining yeah. storm. God damn it. And yes, oh, you're right. They did end up with about eight chairs yeah. as a uh, result. Like, this is it? Yeah. You need, but, yeah. You could have put those out in the morning, right. you fuckers. God, yeah. you people. Right. <laughs> uh, the other All one for me. drama. Yes, the other one for me. I could live with the um, Violet and the the random cousin and, and all yeah. of that stuff. What annoyed me was why Isabel would give a fuck and would get involved. You're right. We need to find out her reasons. We yeah. need to resolve this. And Isabel would not have cared. Isabel would have spent her time telling Violet so to, the, to back to off and yeah, leave this poor off. woman alone. Yeah. Um, I mean, that she figured it out, that made sense because she's the only, so often she's all, the only one with half a clue there, um, you know, about other people, like... Because, of course, Violet would never care to figure out such things. But whatever. Um, so her having the little heart-to-heart with the lady waiting about the whole history. And then again, why have that story? That was such a... It was to give Violet something to do. Right. And then and then randomly, oh, why has Granny gone to London? And then, buzz, 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 end yeah. of the movie, Granny announces she's dying. Like... like- Oh, fuck. That could have been plot line enough, but it was just barely these two little blips, and it was just there apparently to give her some scene. To give her a scene. Have a moment with with Mary. Oh, God. I don't know. It was just... I mean, the flip side is, is again, I was expecting predictable. Yeah. I was worried it would be predictable and badly done. Yeah. But it wasn't. I thought it was predictable and well done. Yes. So, you know, I'm I'm complaining about these things, but it was exactly what I thought it was going to be, yes. and I enjoyed watching it. Yes. It's just there's no revelations. I, I, I the, the two that I want to complain about, in particular, that actually really irritated me. Um, so uh, Kendra alluded to one, Mary complaining about, you know, should we continue on with Downton? Which... That whole theme is like, yes, that's annoying. But the way, what she specifically was also complaining about, and she started out complaining to Anna about, why does it always have to be a struggle? Oh. We're, we're struggling so hard to, to keep this going. And why is this so hard? We should just, maybe we should just get a manor house and live like other people. And without all this, you know, having to pay the servants and having to fix keep the, the roof. Fix the roof. And, and I'm just like, fuck you. You are not struggling. You're just you're. There's not. That's not a fucking struggle. And also, you're telling your servant. I this? know. You're I complaining know. about your fabulous life to your servant. Yeah. Who? Who? If, Fuck off. If she's like, you're right. You should close things up. She and everyone she knows would be out of a job. Right. Then later on, towards the end of the movie, 
Edith is goes off to have her little pity party where she's complaining to her husband, the, the highest peer in the fucking land, saying, why is everything so hard? I had to give up a job I liked, and now I have these committee meetings that I'm assigned to, and now I'm pregnant and my husband can't be there because he has to go off with the Prince of Wales. I don't get to do anything. Wah, wah, wah. Fuck you, bitch. What annoyed me was that the resolution was we're supposed to feel like everything's fine because yeah. now the husband doesn't have to go off and is going to be there yeah. for the, the childbirth and the right. soon, you know, the whatever happy yeah. days thereafter. But it's like what she was saying was she's like miserable in her life. Yeah. She has nothing she wants. She's given up a job. She loves yeah. to do all this. If she doesn't like, like it was the least feminist solution it, to her problems ever. But these two insanely privileged women complaining about their insanely privileged lives. When the reality also, what annoys me most about the Mary thing is that was the reality of what most aristocrats were dealing with in the sense that they were, you know, struggling for money, having to sell off their houses, letting go of all their servants and all of that. So the fact that, I I mean, in some ways I'm glad they refer to that on Downton Abbey because it would be preposterous not to. But it's also preposterous that they actually haven't had to. So to have it once again be like, should we? No, let's keep the traditions going. Is just like pointing out once again how ludicrous it all is. Well, I think it was the way in, in... in the the way that Mary complained about it as a struggle, like yeah. a, as a personal struggle for her, yes, to have to deal with this, like, which in no, it's a societal struggle that things are changing and that you just have to fucking deal. And then for actually both of them, really, they were both thinking it's per, poor me. Mm-hmm. When it, no, it's not poor you. Well, it's I was... the way things fucking are, and you are at the tippy tippy top. Yeah. And, and to you know, to put those scenes in just felt so fucking tone deaf that and and not neither of them really advanced plot in like, the one with Mary like we've we've heard this down as a series as a concept has dealt with that a million it times. felt so tacked on but and, again I think it was to give her something to do but she, both of them yeah and then and with Edith that whole bit the whole plot with her uh, with her husband yeah having to leave and then finally resolving that you could have that that could have been a different speech right or without, or a different resolution how about maybe she does do some work with the magazine or something like that you it know could've, i mean keeping the speech about um it, making it more her and her husband being rough, run roughshod over by the royalty sure you know, and and having, you know, their relationship matter or something like that, as opposed to poor me. It's so hard to be privileged. Yeah, that because that was what was so pathetic and so, you know, tone deaf and so just like not, ugh, it just, it felt gross. It felt like, why? If you're going to make this whole thing retrograde, do we really need to be that fucking retrograde? Well, I was it didn't more... even feel like Downton retrograde. It felt like, like reaching farther back. I don't know. I mean, I guess the flip side is, yes, rich people have problems, too. Aristocrats <laughs> have problems, too. And and it is true that for a lot of women, these roles were very limiting. But I guess I felt like the, especially with Edith, the little pat on the head of, oh, but your husband will be around was so, like, and fuck all your dreams. 
Um, I was far more annoyed by the random Princess Mary plot. Oh, God. Which both of us agreed we were completely unclear on what... I mean, granted, obviously, she had a very stilted relationship with her husband. But, like, what the crux of that was, what Tom said that somehow fixed it, what her resolution was, none of that was clear. And if I have to hear Tom one more time with a beatific smile on his face, announce how he has made his peace with his good fortune, and yes, he is still a, you know, a political guy for the common people, uh, but these, these are decent people, and he's made... I mean, this man has to give this speech apparently to everyone he meets. So everyone knows his story, and everybody wants to know about his own personal personal inner struggle. Jesus. And while I thought the relationship with the, the servant slash daughter was cute, it annoyed she annoyed me a little bit because she's the slutty sister from the recent War she, and Peace. Yeah, Tuppence Middleton. Yeah, so yeah. she just I have a bad taste in my mouth because of that. Otherwise, it was cute. And I was actually saying to Tristan that I was happy that they hadn't resolved. And match Tom up with someone before now, but then Tristan reminded me they actually have been. There was the magazine editor and yeah. things like that. Uh, so whatever. They, they but they're trying, but they I, never. Yeah, they, they never, never nailed talk. it as it were. Right. And uh, this well, one supposedly at the end. It, yeah, you know, there's all the like. Well, now he gets his, you know, the estate and all that. Right. I don't know. I just again, if he, the idea of in this era, him just talking to randos about his own personal inner struggle uh, when all of these randos would be thinking a you're completely beneath me and yeah. b you should be thrilled yeah you know and i'm even thinking at one point he makes some comment about how he loves all the you know the, the crawley clan and something about their politics are you know are basically for shit right uh and i'm thinking wait you're a super political guy so just because they're decent people that's like i'm a decent person but i vote for trump yeah you know like <laughs> oh well then that's fine because you're a decent person <sighs> lordy yeah i will um the i will go back to the the princess mary sideline I, that so I, I had to do some extensive Googling to figure out if there was any historical basis for that. And, and there is, there were rumors that she had an unhappy marriage and all this because the guy was 15 years older and it was, it was apparently very, fairly pushed by the king. Um, apparently maybe he, he decided to propose on a bet or something. Yeah, and also it was both, it was a bet with the king. Oh. Um, and it was also kind of politically expedient because he was a... English uh, lord, and they were trying to get away from the Germans again. This is being the interwar mm. period and all that. So there's a whole bunch of reasons that she married him that were not, you know, not a love match sort of thing. And she had been engaged to somebody bef a while before that that didn't end well. And it's <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, but also, but it was, by this point, they have two kids. The two little boys, and so it was, you know, it was a done deal. What was her all in the 20s? They're not going to be, I mean, <laughs> I got the impression that Queen Mary, like, sort of thought that, she, that Princess Mary was yeah. going to be leaving her husband or yeah. something and was supportive of that, and then was surprised, this is, again, yeah. none of this was clearly articulated, yeah. that surprised to find that her daughter had decided she was going to stick it out, and it's like... In no way in the 1920s yeah. would they have been like, oh, yeah, get a divorce. Yeah. Not a princess royal, you know? No. I mean, think of we're about to have the, the, the Prince of Wales that they're talking about, who's so wild, is going to be 
um, the Edward the whatever yeah. who um, yeah, with who, Wallace Simpson and yeah who abdicates and in order that. to marry a divorcee and think about okay and then fast forward to the fifties and think about Princess Margaret yeah you know and how she was you know yeah. pushed into marriages with the right person I mean, yeah. again none of this stuff was taken lightly yeah I mean again by this point in in Prince uh, Princess Mary's marriage she'd had two kids it was all the rumors of shit that happened when she got married. It was done. It was a done deal. She was going to stick with this guy. That was it. Done. Also, again, I just so felt So she like, was unhappy about it. Like, fine. Everybody would, like, not talk about it and not give a shit. And just because... So, A, none of this was clearly articulated. Yeah. And B, um, again, the fact that Tom was like, you know, oh, but it's worth it for the kids. That somehow blew her mind. Nobody ever said that to her before. Like, she, whatever. She he, never figured that out on her fucking own? I don't know, but it was ridiculous. Uh, yeah. The it, only thing I did like was, hey, here's a rando royal I've never actually heard of. Yeah. Um, I'm I approve of Rand telling me about rando <laughs> royals that I haven't heard of. Sure. Add that to your list of things. To Ships, the about. Th things to Google. Yeah. Sure. Um. So the one other plot point we haven't talked about was the one that was actually good. I thought um, Barrow uh, got a, oh, got yeah. some action. Yeah. Um. So he hooked up with the. Uh, I guess he's basically the backup groom, backup royal groom. As soon as uh, the backup royal groom was being friendly to Barrow, I leaned like, over to uh, Tristan was like, "They're uh -huh. totally gonna bone." Totally. Yeah. Yeah, so um, the backup royal groom invited him out to York, you know, the big town, night of the big town. Bright lights, big city. Yeah, where where the backup royal groom was actually going to go visit his mom. Yeah. <laughs> and leaves Barrow in a bar to get picked up on by some other guy. Yeah. but Because apparently this is the gay bar in yeah. York. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> everyone knows that. Everyone knows that. But uh, I did love seeing getting to see the gay club yeah. and the reality yeah. that... And it, um, and it gets busted. The, and that was totally. the reality of being yeah. gay in that era. Totally. Totally. I, I thought that was really um, well done um, because, again, it was realistic uh, of of all the shit that in this in this fantasy world of Down Abbey, we actually had one thing that was realistic. Now it's not realistic that you know he got busted out of prison and all that. I mean, and it was there's no nothing no no reason, repercussions no repercussions. Nobody's gonna find out about it. But but it is nice as always to see or not as always. It's nice to see a character who's gay actually have some happiness, especially when this character has been, you know, started off with the trope of he's evil. Oh, yeah. he's evil because he's closeted right. gay, which was not something the show I think made a good choice with. No. Um and we've talked in previous podcasts yeah. about then how everyone's like, "Oh, cool, totes with, you know, fine yeah. with that, you yeah. know, whatever." But it was nice to see, um, A, some of the realities of yeah. what it was like to be gay in an era when it was criminalized, yeah. and to see Barrow get someone with someone who was cute. And yeah. and I liked, too, that it was, um, that they clearly had a uh, at least, a, you know, an yeah. emotional connection. Yeah. It wasn't it, just, they fucked, and, because I was kind of thinking maybe now this guy was suddenly going to be like, yeah, okay, I'm out, bye. Yeah. But 
there yeah. actually was a thing there. Yeah, they actually had, they specifically said, they had dialogue where it's like, it's nice to have a friend. Yeah. And nice to be able to talk. Yeah, and just and, be a person. Yeah. And it was a little together. cheesy when they were like, what will people think of us 50 years from now? Uh-huh. Will things have changed? But at the same time, you know, thinking about the target demographic for yeah. Downton Abbey, which might be older yeah. and a little more conservative. Exactly. Uh, you know, yes, let's get in some messages sure. there about, you it's know, the, we're all just people trying to get through our day and right. why don't we just, you know, be nice to everybody. Yeah. So that that was that was nice. You know, I'll give them props yeah. for that. Finally. I mean, it doesn't make up for starting off Barrow the way it does. They hey, at did. least he didn't die. Yeah. He's not, <laughs> that's true. Of the tropes, yes. he is dead. Now, the other one that annoyed us, though, was um, What's-Her-Face, the, the kitchen chick. Daisy. Daisy. Oh, Daisy's okay. romance. Daisy just, the, the way they handle her annoys me because clearly what they're trying to tell us is this woman's got, she's got spunk, she's got spark, she wants something more, and they'll sort of play with that and then make it seem as though she's happy with just the same old. Yeah. So here this whole thing is that she's not sure about marrying guy with ears, um, uh, who at least is tall. Andy? Andy. 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 Okay, thank you. Um uh, she's not clear, and then blah, 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 because he breaks a boiler, because he's jealous, now she's decided he wants something more, now she's happy with the idea of marrying him, and so now her life is going to be marrying this guy who clearly has no ambitions beyond what he's doing, which yeah. is fine for him, that's what sure. he wants, and she's going to be, what, the next Mrs. Patmore? Nothing yeah. is changing no, here, nothing changed. has changed, nothing is going nothing to change, and don't set her up as like, I want something more, yeah. I'm going to break into a Disney song, and oh, you broke a boiler, so clearly it's all good. Like, yeah. what? All he was passionate about was being jealous about her. Right. Because some other guy looked at her. That's not going to make him want to go travel the world no. or take up a new profession. And also, or... if she wanted something more, she could be like um, the one who went uh, went to Game of Thrones and went it, uh, yeah, and, and shagged Jon Snow. Yes! Like, there are other there options. Are other, you, get, a type, <laughs> Just, get a typewriter and you could be ja- shagging Jon Snow. Go north of the wall, Admittedly, Daisy. you'll get an arrow in your neck eventually, but whatever. But you'll, you'll have lived. You'll have had some good sex before the arrow in the yeah. neck. So, you know. So what annoyed me about all of these things was that it felt like, A, these were manufactured crises, and then the way that they resolved these, not, you know, manufactured crises, wasn't actually, like, a, a resolution. It was going back to it, status, status, quo. status quo. Exactly. Which, again, I'm, I'm not necessarily complaining that they ended up with status quo. It's just like, then why bother to bring it up in the first place? Yeah. If Daisy's just going to live a status quo life, don't try and tell, don't try to sell me that... You know, oh, her boyfriend broke a boiler, and so now, yes, Daisy's going to have something more when that's not what you're giving me. So it's like what they're trying to give me is not satisfying because it's not... I, You know, I guess that hits on something that is really essential about Downton Abbey, is that it, it is about, I mean, as much, for as much as the TV show in particular is a soap opera where... You know, uh, people get married, people die, people have children, people have sex with different people, um, etc. You know, people scheme and, and, and machinate and all that. Um, it is a soap opera. It is a soap opera, but everything remains status quo. It's not like you're going to, you know, the their people are going to leave the house and become, you know, airplane pilots and we're going to have the show... Um, it's it set in Morocco suddenly. Right. The few, I mean, the few people that have done that uh, are no longer on the show. Yeah. Or it's something like, you know, Tom and um, 
Mary's hot husband who there was not enough of in this. I was like, he literally flew in at the very last I know. Year. What was that? I guess he Today's. didn't have much time available. Yeah. But so they have their auto shop and yeah. but they're still living at Downton and yes. like so it's always this weird hybrid compromise. Yeah. Really what they should have done, Julian Fellow should have set this whole series fifty years earlier. Yeah. Because the problem is is when it started it worked for yeah. that era, and the problem is now that they've moved forward in time, yeah. it no longer in the 20s, yeah. no longer works yeah. for what they want to do. So if he had started back in 1860 or 1870, yeah. then they could have moved forward. And, they, and they, I'm sure they didn't realize that it was going to be a hit and that was going to happen. Yeah. Um, although just jumping to World War One right at the end of the first um, season really kind of hurt, started hurtling them through time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, you, you, the the real peak era of the manor houses and all that was yeah, fifty years, eighteen seventies through nineties, even thirty years earlier. Yeah, you would have gotten a really good. You could have just delved into that. Yeah. Um, Although I will say, massive votes for the Violet backstory. Oh God! Oh please, let yes. them do the the young Violet that would story. Be so good. It would be so good. I would love to see her her coming out and her getting married mm-hmm. and her coming to Downton and 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 doing, learning to become the mistress yes. and and take you know where yes. she got all of this you know these traditions exactly. and and this is what we do you yes. know sense of her, duty and all of that cuz you know she'd be the young firebrand and she wants to change everything and she's having arguments with her mother-in-law and, sure. and the works like that yeah. would be great well, and that harkens to um, the Buccaneers. Yeah. Um, and I also love that, too, with that Cora. Uh, so the Buccaneers yeah. being the novel by... Edith Wharton. Thank you. That has, has a fabulous miniseries adaptation that yes. we reviewed on the blog. But it's all about, in the times, 1870s, yes. all of the, the rich Americans right. coming over and marrying Brits. and that, So that would be that another storyline that would be great, she, because that's what Cora is, literally. Right. And, I bet, and Violet, as a young woman, would probably be bitchy about those women. Oh, yeah. Those so Americans that, coming in that here. Would, how dare they take our... You know, she that probably, would be great to yeah, see the, how Violet so dealt with Cora in the early years. Yeah. And also the fact that, like, Cora and Donk, who's... <laughs> Lord Grantham was his yes. name. I can't remember. I know. Now. I keep on. <laughs> uh, how apparently that it was, you know, it was not a love match yeah. at the start. And so yeah. all of that is such fodder. Yeah. Um, and again, it's not to say that, you know, the, the storyline that we've experienced hasn't been good. It's just that it's now getting a little awkward as yeah. the 20s progress. Yeah. And then, Jesus, what's going to happen with the Great Depression? Oh, we're going to somehow soldier on. And it's like, it's preposterous. No, that is totally preposterous. Now... Um, conversely, if you take it to, to the next generation, I think that would be for interesting stories. I mean, it's not going to be flashy costume-wise, but if you take it into World War II and you have the young kids signing up and, and all that, the, and then, you know, maybe Downton itself is closed down or something like that. Or, or it's, Oh, they did that with the World War I well, season. But, but no, like literally they've had to... They literally, they close literally it, yeah. closed it down, or and and it's just all about the the kids' generation. Right, that would be interesting. They've I think all you moved get some to great London and... stories out of it. Sure, um, but it wouldn't be the same kind of show at all. Not at all. At all, which yeah. which would be cool. Yeah, uh, but obviously so, it would be a different stop thing. going forward, go back because yeah. that's the whole appeal of yeah. Downton Abbey. Is yeah, if you want that appeal, the retro, traditional, the old world totally. order, and the glamour and all of that. Yeah. So you, I mean, you could have those two kinds of sh- those two shows that would be totally different. Sure, with with same in the same world, that would be cool. I think that. would be But fun. I just think there's it's starting to get yeah. pretty. 
they're really shoehorning at this point. Totally. Again, though, I will say, for all of its predictability, I thought it was done really well. Yes. Lady Violet got some great zingers oh, yeah, in. Definitely. Um, yeah, there were some. It's I, beautiful. It didn't drag. You know, all of that. So I highly recommend, you know, watch it. Just, oh, it's yeah. going to be exactly what you think it is. It is. It is. Uh, it, it, this will be one of those ones you can have on the background if you're sewing. If totally. You're, <laughs> yeah. I don't even do that, but I would do that for this because yeah. it's just like... You know, you want to see, look up and you see some of the pretty costumes. In the background, you can hear some of the great zingers. And it's nothing surprising. And there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed listening to us yammer. We yeah. enjoyed yammering for you. That's right. And, That's what we do. Um, yeah, you know. <laughs> well, particularly when there's movies in the theaters because we, yeah. we can't share screenshots with you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, thanks for listening. Catch us online at frockflix.com. Check out our Patreon. Uh, find us on social media and all the social media kind of places. And um, we'll catch up with you if we watch another movie in the theaters. Yep. All right. Bye. Bye.